0: Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. <coughs> Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Show of hands. How many in here knew it was the church's new year this morning? Raise your hands up high. Yes. This is our new year. Advent is always the beginning of a new year. That is why it is good to be mindful of what this time of the year is about. It is when God is making all things new. Thanks be to God. So wherever you are and wherever you find yourself this morning, if you are in a great spot, awesome. If you're not, please hold to these words. God is making all things new. That is gospel, and that is blessed hope for you, God's people, this morning. So I'm going to ask another question. Was anyone's breath taken away when you walked into the nave this morning? Show of hands, please. Okay, so we've been in this season of green for like 35 weeks. And so when you walk through the red front doors this morning, what did you see? Advent blue, yes. So we are one of those Episcopal churches that does things a little bit differently. Most churches at Advent, it's purple. But grace, we have this gorgeous royal Advent blue that sets the tone for this season of Advent here at Grace. So as a reminder, we've been saturated in green for weeks now. And that is the season of ordinary time. And that is the longest season of the church year. It is meant for us as disciples to grow. That's why it's green. And to be formed more fully as disciples of Jesus. This is important as it's important to remember as we shift into different seasons in the life of the church. This growth, which we've experienced during ordinary time, is what prepares us for what comes next Advent. A time of preparation, a time of hopeful waiting. And who are we waiting for? Yes our blessed Emmanuel, Jesus. So in many ways in the history of the church, Advent can be likened to a mini Lent. Yes. So it's kind of a penitential season. It's a time of inward reflection. It's a time often when people either give something up or take something on. And I'm one of those weird ones as if I don't have enough going on in my life, I take something on and we at grace usually during the season of advent we take on a book together and this year it's a book about the women of jesus the women leading up to jesus called expecting emmanuel it is part of our hopeful waiting that we do as a church body at grace So during Advent, we are being prepped a little bit more each week, knowing that Jesus is on his way, and that God, in his time, will make all things new. Blessed, blessed words of hope, especially for those of us who have come through seasons of hardship and darkness. So what we don't do here at Grace is this. Poof, we have a baby Jesus in a manger, Okay? So we don't do that at Grace, nor at any other Episcopal church. No, this is how we do it. We hear stories from scripture, which tell of a Savior who is to be born. Week after week, we move through the scriptures, telling of the story of one who is to come. We sing songs which tell of our longing souls for our Emmanuel, God with us. We open up space to slow down the exact opposite of what our culture and what our world is doing right now, moving about with so much frantic energy. And this opens up space for us to relish in this notion that sometimes, guess what? The best things in life require waiting. They require preparation. So Advent means coming. And then this coming in so many ways it is an unimaginable invasion. An invasion of holiness. An invasion of all that has hope for. All that we cannot imagine. An invasion of a promise by a Heavenly Father which guarantees a more abundant life if we allow it. And most ironically, an invasion that begins with a baby's cry, followed by the brays and neighs of farm animals. Advent is hopeful waiting. It's unexpected waiting. It's excitement about what we know is coming. So I've shared this story with a number of times over the years of being a priest here. But it seems appropriate, since we are in the season of hopeful waiting. As ordained clergy in the Episcopal Church, one of the rites of passage, I'm going to share this, because it really is. One of the rites of passage is when an ordained clergy person Usually a permanent deacon or a transitional deacon is ordained on that day, and not one day sooner. Are you ready? Can the ordained person don his or her collar for the first time? You can't do it before. You can only do it on the day of your ordination. It's a rite of passage, something that all of us can't wait to put this white collar around our necks. A question I get asked often is a simple question, is that collar tight? (laughs) To which I exuberantly say, yes, it's very, very tight. For good reason, I've come to learn. Each time I fasten it around my neck, I am reminded that I belong to someone else that I'm in service to someone else, and putting on a tight white collar reminds me of this. And longing for the day when I could wear it meant lots of hopeful waiting, and as weird as it sounds, dreaming. Only priests or hopeful priests would probably really get that or understand that. And that in itself, Prepared me for when I put this collar on for the first time. Another rite of passage for an ordained clergy person when priested is choosing her stoles. Stole choosing is a really big deal. For th- For me, this was a very intimate and much harder experience than I originally thought. Stoles are what we wear around our necks to to show everyone that we are priests. So after ordination, and I was wearing my collar, I set about the process of finding stoles that I loved and that fit me, and also finding a stole maker whose stoles tell a story. Well, this is my Advent stole. I hope that you'll get a chance to look at it. This, it highlights the Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and she has a full pregnant belly. I carried all three of my children through the season of Advent, so I relate to Mary. And I also believe that carrying a child is a nine-month Advent waiting, oh, my gosh, with so much anticipation for the birth of the baby that is to come. My soul also has a beautiful white dove, which seems to oversee it all, a symbol of the Spirit of God, a reminder that all things will be made new. I've come to learn stoles, just like stained glass windows, tell a story. They give a peek into the mind and soul of a priest. And for the astute observer can share the idea or the reason for the season. Well, Each of us have our own stories of what it means to wait in the hopes that something will come that you have hoped for and dreamed about and desired. Maybe that's why today's gospel passage might feel a bit out of place for the first Sunday of Advent. Perhaps you came to church thinking you might catch your first glimpse of something that will lead to the Christmas story. And instead, it seems that there's only apocalyptic doom and gloom. Why in the world, on the first Sunday of joyful anticipation, Does the gospel reading seem that it might fit well in a left-behind book? That's an interesting question. Well, there is purpose in this. In each of the three years of the lectionary cycle, the first week of Advent is given to apocalyptic texts. This kind of literature was common in Jewish and Christian writings in the centuries around the life of Jesus. Oftentimes, as challenging as it was to understand these texts, the main purpose of apocalyptic texts is one of hope, to offer hope that better days are on the way and to be ready to not live a life of complacency. Sadly, though, apocalyptic passages tend to frighten or bring up bad memories from past not-so-good religious experiences. And this, my friends, is the exact opposite of what this genre of writing was intended to do. The hope of Christ's return is not meant to frighten us. Instead, it is to give hope and confidence that all things are being made new. For the return of Christ is something that as Christians we should all be expectantly waiting for, not dreading, not fearing. And what I say today is that we all should be living in such a way that if Christ were to come, there would be welcoming and rejoicing. Remember, in scripture, it's quite clear, only God knows when this will happen. Not even Jesus, nor any angels in heaven. Only God knows when this will come. As Christians living in hope, And expecting Christ's return is central to what we believe. It's central to our faith. And what this passage reminds us today is simply don't sleep through your life. Don't let life happen to you. Pay attention and be pleasantly caught off guard when holy moments happen. Instead of missing God at work in the world because we just didn't recognize it, we were way too busy, or we flat just didn't see it. This passage is telling us to be mindful, to be watchful. Don't miss it. Don't miss your life. God is always making his way to us. One of the ways that I love that God comes is through a gentle breeze that caresses my cheek and reminds me of his presence. Gentle, simple ways. He is always beckoning us to himself. So as disciples, we need not be worried, consumed about when the world is going to end or what that might look like. In fact, that might be the worst way to live life because everything in between is missed. And if you're constantly thinking about the future, and I know I certainly have been so guilty of this, you miss how God is working now in the midst of us. Jesus' words in today's gospel challenge us to live authentically. We are to have a lifestyle of Jesus in which there is expectancy. We are to live as if God with us precisely because God is with us. So stay awake. Salvation is here. Christ is coming again. Our Emmanuel is on his way. And again, my friends, all things will be made new. Thanks be to God. A blessing for this day. Let these words. Penetrate your heart. And might I say, let us all lift our hands up like so, in a posture of openness to receive this blessing. Go ahead. Don't be shy. Come on. Listen to these words. Close your eyes and let these words empower you. Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending by paths untrodden, through perils unknown. Lord God, give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we will go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.